It's an insane weekend of fights. Conor McGregor's lost, I guess, seemingly his mind, which means I am back from vacation, and it's time for Verbal Tap, show that proves fighting. It's a lot easier from outside of the cage. I'm your host, Kevin, with me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, the fight world has sort of gone slap nuts. I mean, Wagner Roke is a champion. Where did I go? How are you doing this evening? I'm very well, thank you. And and where did you go again? Cancun. Cancun, mm, Mexico. Can- Cancun, Cancun is the way we say it as the See? Uh, non-natives, because I'm not actually from Mexico, but a lot of people think that. Uh, it was a lot of como se dice for me. It was a lot. Of, uh, oh, <laughs> what was the most confusing thing they asked you, Kevin? Uh, there. Okay. Well, I was. We were skinny dipping. There was a group of six of us, and I led the charge. I'm going to go ahead and take responsibility for that. A little Adderall can do crazy things to people. A lot of alcohol. They and then all of a sudden the lights shining from the beach. It was like 11:30 at night. So I had to try and understand what he was explaining to me while. Well, while holding my genitalia, and that can be difficult under any circumstances. Sorry to take the podcast in such a... I want to point out something a naked direction to our audience so that I did not know that was the direction we were going to go when I asked that question. Uh, sorry, you asked the question that just, it, you know, honesty. Honesty on this podcast has always <laughs> been above all, even yeah. way ahead of hard work for me. It's just like when Kevin said off the air before we started this. When I remarked, my goddamn journalistic integrity once again biting the dust, and Kevin goes, "What have I always told you?" <laughs> I've been very clear. You should tone it down. <laughs> it's uh, it's time to take that integrity, that level of <laughs> this is you know late night uh, MMA for a reason, and we have an awesome show coming up. We're going to talk to Eric the Cobra Co, who's fighting on Fight to Win this Friday, along with a. Wealth of the Jubera fighters, which means it was probably a crazy night in the gym tonight. We've got a lot of questions. Raph, I have so many questions for you about what's been going on, but we're going to get to Eric. We're going to BuzzFeed through some topics right now. Buzzsaw, excuse me, not the... <laughs> well, whatever, feet. same basic difference. Uh, that's, Eight that's, articles you need to hear right now. <laughs> that's definitely what we should be doing. What Raph. finisher are you? Yeah, we, this is the best, I especially over bar. hot takes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's just start with what the H is Conor McGregor doing? Scaling the fence, pulling guard, I think, in celebration, and then picking a fight and running into a fighter that just got knocked out in the cage. What's this? I, well, what do you think it is? I think you just described what it was. I watched the video five times. I still don't understand what the what he was doing and is this where it's really helpful to have someone like Danaher in your corner and it's like I'm not going to tolerate that I mean I feel like Gary straight up gets in a fight with him you knock somebody over and you can see the referee everyone was just so stunned they're like wait is that Conor McGregor what <laughs> what's he doing in here and he should have gotten the fuck out by the way what the referee I- said to him and pushed him he should have all right Mark Goddard it's him Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor overcome with emotion. He wasn't any part of that guy's uh, fight corner. He wasn't at all sanctioned to be there. So he runs inside. He does his Conor McGregor. <laughs> and then jumps in, 
And then, like you said, he pulls guard, which is really strange. It looks like they're about to fight, but instead they're just Irish embracing. As that continues to go on, they get up. Mark Goddard's like, kind of like, yo, bro, can we not do this like right the second? And Connor takes it as an insult. So just kind of looks back at him and is like, do you know who the fuck I am? Or something like that. That's what I think he says. We don't have any um, like published report to go off of, but our imaginations are usually very correct. So they break that up. And then I think he shoves a commission individual. That's the so we're talking a ref and then, mentioned. <laughs> and then also a commission individual. Now you would think to yourself, Kevin, what is going to happen to this guy? He's bound to get in trouble, right? I, I casually mentioned to you in a true, I guess I'm way too deep in the NFL season right now. I was like, he's going to get suspended for this, right? Wait, do fighters get suspended? And your response baffles me. Tell the people what you said. Oh, nothing's going to happen. How is that possible? How is well, he not going to get fined, get in trouble, get some some retro, retribution for what is a pretty stupid thing to do because yeah. even the 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 ms ms dab or whatever they are they uh they were just like he got in the way of giving medical attention to fighters and he did that's a problem i listen i'm still trying to figure out what the fuck exactly all this means i just know everybody has to put out a statement Bellator has to put out his statement, which is just like, we regret that Conor McGregor would ever do something like that. Who knew when he would run into the cage like a maniac that something unfortunate would happen that we can take and use as a clip that gets a million people looking at it on our YouTube page. How dare he do that? Hashtag Conor McGregor. Hashtag King King. Okay, so that's the one side. Then the other side is Conor McGregor put out something and then immediately deleted it. It's in its true Conor McGregor nonsense, and I'm glad he deleted it. I'll find it for you, but it's really stupid. Let's move on. I'm then, s- yeah, I'm there's also the UFC, it. though. I do want to the say the UFC has to be so pissed because they're thinking to themselves, "You motherfucker, why would you go over there and give them the extra publicity? Do you not know we're the UFC? We are the monopoly." We want to squish this fucking tape-delayed bug. And instead of less people watching it, now more people are going to be interested to see what the fuck happened for a bunch of fighters they don't even know. They probably don't know your friend's name. No clue. But now they will. Okay. So all of those things, right? Sure. Now we're at this point where Conor McGregor... He's done the dumb deed. We've all gotten through it. And then Mark Gooder just kind of puts out something. He's just like, "Um, my statement is this. I've always been pretty good at my job. And I love my family. And I have integrity. Paraphrased. But essentially that. Like, took the high road in an area where he could have easily have been like, yo, you guys ever have your day interrupted by a crazy person who walks into work and then demands that the customer's always right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, that's not bad, by the way. And that kind of sums up where we are now. I'm excited to see if Uncle D even decides to chime in. I'm sure he'll be 
touched by what happened. Well, I can tell you this. I had a theory. I'll put it out there for you, conspiracy theorists. Uh, But what if I were to tell you this, Kev? Apparently, the rumor is, apparently, what if they haven't been able to close the December deal? So for late December, that usual, what they used to be the New Year's Eve card for the UFC, the the end-of-the-year card. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be Connor and Tony Ferguson. But nobody really is like, yes, we need to see that happen, except for, like, all of 10th Planet. Sure. Yeah, well. Now, granted, we like Tony. And we like 10th Planet. But well, we know that Conor McGregor now charges a little extra. So it's not quite the slam dunk, even though Conor McGregor teases, like, yeah, I want it to be Tony. Dana White has alluded to the fact that Conor McGregor's changed, man, since the whole thing with him and Mayweather but what if Kev that was his form of negotiation what if that was him going over and being like you won't give me what I fucking want I'll go anywhere and make a fucking headline and then he just goes about that it kind of feels like that to me maybe just a little interesting flirting uh, with flirting with the enemy but here we go here was <laughs> I had to see it this is what I had to put. Conor McGregor posts and quickly deletes tweet about Mark Goodard incident. Okay. Now, this is how I love it. I, I saw actual legitimate places, but instead I'm going to the place that says punditarena.com. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> instead of going to MMA junkie or MMA fighting, I've decided punditarena.com is the fake news I choose for right now. Conor McGregor, bloke KO'd on the floor about a minute straight and ref trying to say fight's not over, Conor. That's when I lost it. Fuck yous all. And fuck yous all, which is an interesting phrasing because I would wonder maybe you just go fuck yous, comma, all. But fuck yous all, I guess, is just kind of where he goes. Does Conor not know that they've increased the Twitter character <laughs> limit to 280? He, he didn't get that memo. He's too busy no. running like a psychopath into a cage. No. So anyway, that was his response. Was very quickly deleted. His PR person saw it and called. Like, hey, what the fuck? We've talked about this. Part of me hopes that it was Connor Jr. who just accidentally picked up the phone and like fucked over his dad had no idea what he was doing or even deeper conspiracy we Mm. found out that he has a talking smack app and his son just proved Mm -hmm. it by just pushing buttons and something popped out the app is the key to Conor McGregor's success is my point that's conspiracy (laughs) theory you can check out online I'm sure it's already there uh Raph what the hell is Reebok doing and oh well hold on (laughs) I'd like to sponsor Mm. this next segment if I may uh with our beautiful friends, North-South Jiu-Jitsu underwear, northsouthjujitsu.com. They have a limited edition compression rash guard that looks amazing. Holidays mm-hmm. are coming up. You can get them everywhere. They're even on Amazon. But just go to northsouthjujitsu.com. Get someone. People are training in underwear, Raph. It's gross. It is 2017. Take care of things. Take care of each other. We don't. We don't need any more diciness in the gym than focusing on keeping people from strangling us. So let's just be focused on that, not our underwear tearing. And if we're mooning half the class, that's not going to happen. 
Yeah, they won't let that's you. just tacky. What mm. is the diaper thing Reebok is doing, and why hasn't the UFC called North South Jiu Jitsu and said, "Please rectify this"? What happened? So okay, I take you know while in Cancun when you're in busy doing your own thing, skinny dipping and holding your own junk. There was also a little bit of a mal order uh, of malfunction for a fighter. Now stay with me here, Kev, because when I tell you their name, you're gonna think about this. It's not gonna help. Um, no, it's definitely not going to help because you're going to look at it and you're going to think to yourself, um, well, Junior Albini or Junior Albini, your Reebok shorts were tucked in to the point where it looked. And again, I know this is your nickname, but dude, when you're fighting Andre Olovsky, could you do us a solid? Just... Not wear what looks like a diaper. <laughs> so our joke was naturally, we don't, we really don't. But our joke was, look at the new Reebok diapers. Love them. A lot of people had variations on the diaper joke. I'm not mad about that. That That's a thing. We all saw it. We all looked at it and said, that's a diaper. There was one person, though, I think it's one of our fans, who said, fuck you all. He's the future of that division. And I just, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> like, someone trying to defend Hunier's honor was endearing to me in all the right ways. It got an immediate like for me. But Kev, he tried to put up a good fight against Andre Olovsky, and it didn't matter. He was wearing a diaper. That's all we could think about. That was all we could laugh about at our viewing party. It didn't matter how many shots he took. The grit he displayed, the fact that he was in there with a former UFC champion, it was <laughs> dudes wearing a diaper. And this went on for about 20 minutes, dude. I kid you not, at our viewing party. Uh, well, at least the priorities were straight. So Reebok, just give our friends a call. and Let's not have this mistake again. Yeah. Especially against Andre Arlovsky. He deserves better. Hey, Bisping's kind of a badass. Stepping in. Kind of, yeah. You know, UFC China replacing Anderson Silva. He loves to stay international. It's probably a shorter flight. It's pretty cool. Maybe we should go in order. Okay. Why did he have to replace Anderson Silva? Fight night 112 against Kelvin Gastelum. Is this an injury? Hold on. What happened? Kev, I know you were gone and you were checking up on news. I'm not sure you you read this one. Oh, God. Never mind. I I, I didn't see what the test was a failure for, but I remember just enough and I immediately blocked it. It's like, damn it. Okay. Something about drugs. Do you remember the meme I sent you regarding it? I do not. Uh, Some of the last things we... I was supposed to have Wi-Fi at the resort. I did not. Really. I mean, here's the thing. So Kevin goes on vacation. I kind of have a rule. Like, I, I enjoy, uh, you know, conversing with my friends. But if Kevin's on vacation, I try to give him his distance and let him go on vacation, right? Well, plus, international rates are a bitch. Oh, yeah. I'm not about to live that life for you. We we do not make that <laughs> much money. I like you a lot, man. Uh, maybe we can <laughs> save some money here. So I think this one came from Bro Jitsu. But let's talk about the one that I thought. We laughed at profusely. So, again, it's important to give props to the people who legit make us LOL. 
Um, but I want you to read this meme as I get you the other one because it's mas importante that we read these properly. Kev? Uh, this is a fantastic uh, meme from Brojitsu that says, Kevin, did you just heel hook that white belt? And then it's uh, Kevin Spacey in quotation, I'm gay, <laughs> which, um, thanks. I needed a laugh during a lot of the Spacey stuff. That one was <laughs> tough. Such a good impressionist. was like, ah, oh, no, I have to hate everything you ever did. And, you yep. know, I do, but needed that. Did you heel hook the white belt? I'm gay. Okay, now read this one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Damn it. All right. Fuck you, Internet. This is too good. From MMA underscore nerds. Yes, I take the steroids. It's a quotation from Anderson Silva. Yes, I take the steroids, but it's okay. I gay now. It's normal. (laughs) (laughs) That's from MMA nerds. It's genius. It's so good. Uh, I just love, but it's okay. I gay now. It's normal. (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, we've discussed before how Anderson Silva, at least in my impression version, is pretty close to Super Mario. Neither here nor there, people. I want yeah. you to understand this, Kev. Anderson Silva fails another drug test. Is he now out of the conversation of greatest of all time? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, we got time. Like People still talk about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And didn't fail them when he was winning. I mean, it's kind of the point that sort of still sticks out to me. And I have a difference of opinion maybe than some others. This isn't a young guy in his prime taking steroids. This is a super old fighter. That's just trying to like get out there. Uh, It's sad, but I don't think it's uh, indicative of like a character indictment for his career. That's how I feel. I don't know. Maybe I just, uh, experimented with you know too do you think he was taking steroids the whole time though i don't do you do we have any reason to think he was honestly i don't know dude that part of me i i look at that and i think to myself eh i don't know maybe it's like when peyton manning's wife had a steroids um subscription prescription from her doctor it's like yeah get it Yep. Yeah, and it was during his next surgery. He's 39. It's like, yeah, let him take whatever the fuck he needs. <laughs> that, guy's, that guy's not running the 40 in less than six seconds anytime soon. So um, that's how I feel about it. But I we've got to slam through some more stuff, Raph. Okay, because let's keep going. There's things we actually saw or talked about. We, I do mean you. But before that, we have another wrestler headed, this time a six foot seven former former NCAA wrestler, which is uh, in addition to being an extreme wrestler of, of a high caliber, though. I don't know his name, nor will I, until I see him in the Bellator cage. Who came over? His footlock looks nice, but... <laughs> it's footlock. <laughs> so I made sure to Kevin uh, send Kevin the, uh, the video footage or a gif of one Jack Swagger, Jack a.k.a. Swagger. Jack Hager, uh, is what he's going to be going by. Uh, which I don't still think is his name. His birth name is Donald Jacob Hager. So, all right, no big deal. The dude is 35 years young. <clears throat> he has done actual wrestling, wrestled since the age of five. They gave him a gimmick of being the All-American, Kev. Hot. And his finishing move was the ankle lock, which, Kevin, is not the ankle lock you and I know. 
What does it look like to you? He tries to rip off your entire leg using your ankle as a vehicle for dismissal. Or a told. Sure. Exactly. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. He's like ripping the leg while he's pushing on the toe. It's not like he's, he's you know, Gary Tonin if you don't tap the first timing it. I just want to make sure that we understand that he has uh, actual wrestling pedigree, unlike a certain CM Punk. But oh. it was as if... As soon as I saw that, I was like, interesting. Because that is interesting. It is as if, though, Bellator goes, oh, yeah? I see your CM Punk and raise you a Jack Swagger, who was a former ECW champion. Take that. Um, he's recently been on the indie circuit. He's been having a lot of fun doing that. But uh, if he fails to finish with the ankle lock, which was, you know, kind of in that Kurt Angle mold of, you know, having the All-American gimmick and taking the ankle lock that was then set forward by one Ken Shamrock. Um. It was called the Patriot Lock, Kev. So I ask you this. Do you feel dumb never calling any one of your toeholds a Patriot Lock? Yes. Yeah, I do too. I can't I can't believe I didn't. I mean, any lock where <laughs> I would just start singing the Star Spangled Banner, prepare to call it the Patriot Lock. But here's what I need you to understand. So that's step one. We're we're all in on that, right? All in. Okay. Step two, Kev, this is where I think he endears himself to you from Wikipedia. On February 19, 2013, Hager was arrested in Gulfport, Mississippi after a SmackDown taping. He was charged with driving under the influence and drug possession. Hager was released from custody after the arrest and was ordered to appear in court on March 12th, blah, blah, blah. Uh, The marijuana charge was dismissed after he was fined 500 so there was this whole thing where I told you he was built up as the All-American, right? The All-American with a side of hippie. A little bit. <clears throat> but the All-American gimmick, uh, he would put his hand over his heart and say, we the people. And it caught on. It was really like they were playing up against a xenophobic angle of, oh, no, immigrants are bad. But as soon as they heard we the people and he got arrested for a marijuana possession – uh, they referred to it as weed the people. <laughs> now, here's where it gets sad, Kev. This dude was being primed. Don't don't you laugh too hard, you fucking stoner. <laughs> you, you stay with me, goddammit, through this segment. You're right, though. I love this guy now. I'm all in. But here's the thing, Kev. His push, he was primed to like win a WrestleMania match and like go and be a future thing. He was primed to go on. And then they derailed his push after that. The weed thing? And is that why he's gone to the uh, the Bellator arts? I mean, I think, again, this is back in 2013. So I think the idea was they were grooming him to kind of be in a bigger position. And then maybe more of the driving under the influence. But it felt like it was more of the weed thing. And so he slid down the card. Oh, I'm positive. The Pro like Wrestling once, Federation doesn't care about DUI. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I think they slid him down, slid him down, slid him down. And you know when somebody becomes a jobber, and Kevin, what is a jobber? We've discussed what that is. A uh, jobber is like a provoker. They're like somebody that's in there as a uh, like uh, antagonistic. We've, we've, we've gone over this. The jobber is the person who's in there who you don't know who loses all the time. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if you're defining. I guess I did. I wasn't getting as specific as their role, but I know they play like a pawn or a a pansy in the area. Exactly. They're usually the guy who's set to lose. Like if you look at them in the ring, you go, oh, that guy's losing. That's usually the jobber. He got relegated to jobber status, asked for his release, and then started hitting the indies. And now here we are, him at 35 years young, going to Bellator. I do not think he will have the draw of one CM Punk. But like, think about this, though. When he was doing both football and wrestling, he switched to wrestling full time in his sophomore year. And in 26 or 2006, he set the record for most pins in a season with 30 as an All-American. Dang. So, like, I mean, legit, if, if he can translate that at his age right now, he's 6'5", 275. Um, they're about to. And, Kev, I don't know if you saw this, too, but they're about to have, like, a giant heavyweight uh, eight-man tournament. For Bellator. The Grand Prix. Yeah. Can't wait. They're combining all of their forces. They're literally like, bring in everybody. Chael, Rampage, Mitrioni. King Mo, Mitrioni, Fedor, the others. They might fucking hook Frank Shamrock up to a battery and see if he can go. <laughs> There's no telling. And then Frank Mir, too. So they literally combined all of their talent. And it makes me think that Bellator should effectually be referred to as, instead of saying, like, Bellator, there should be a Bellator colon. I ain't done yet. <laughs> I got more in me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a terrible slogan for the whole tournament Grand Prix. I ain't done yet. I kind of love it. And, well, Bellator making the moves we always thought they were capable of, but not quite living up to UFC fight night. No. Dustin the oh, Diamond Poirier beats Pettis. It was rough, Kev. So remember when we were primed to see the Pettis era, the Showtime era? Yeah. Remember when it was short-lived and it basically died at my wedding? And he even went down a way to die at your wedding, by the way. As I was like, a sure thing. Your wedding, <laughs> your marriage killed Anthony Pettis. No, don't you put that on me. I'm sorry. I, I It's not me doing it. It's just oh the facts. God. He tries to even go down weight <laughs> class. It doesn't go so well. Now he's fighting the even, maybe, I mean, the most beautiful of the MMA fighters, Dustin the Diamond Portier. But not a bad loss either, because what a badass. All right, let's talk a little bit about this fight. Um a good little back and forth. Poirier was definitely on the more dominating side. Kev, it looked so bloody. And CM Punk, of all people, I mean, we brought him up, so we might as well bring him up again. He was saying, I don't know that he's 100% wrong here, but uh, at a certain point, there was a little bit, there was a little bit of Pettis trying to set up a triangle, and then the ref kind of said, mm, nah. What? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Now, mind you, uh, I don't know how effective it would have been because Dustin Poirier kept getting out of the triangle attempts. So it's pretty well rounded in terms of submission defense. Yeah, I mean, it it was impressive, dude. Um, But it was a little hard to see when at the very end, uh, Dustin Poirier gets a body triangle, dude, gets the right angle. And I think he popped one of Pettis's ribs. So Pettis ended up tapping uh, as he like essentially came into guard. Like that transition where the the ribs a little more exposed, and then tapped. It, it was it was rough. 
Well, he's a warrior, and he'll be back. And speaking of, well, good things for Dustin the Diamond next, but holy Matt Brown, the holding of the foot and dropping the elbow on friend of ours, Diego Sanchez. Yeah. That's KO. That's impressive. Um, What do we say about this one other than the fact that Matt Brown was taking some shots, those two were exchanging, and... I'm really pissed because our feed, and I think it was for everybody's feed, I think they might have been on a seven-second delay because for whatever reason, instead of cutting to another angle, they cut to like a picture-in-picture of an empty press room on our feed. Weird. (laughs) So, And like not at a time when you don't want it to happen where you're just kind of like, oh, it's inconvenient – they're just uh, they're going to exchange hands or, oh, hey, there is a short grappling exchange on the ground. I'm talking when the knockout happened, Kev. They literally go and cut to, oh, shit, that's the wrong one. Don't cut to that. <laughs> nah, fuck. <laughs> you knew someone was getting fired right then and there. Yeah. Well, good times, though. I'm excited for Matt Brown, despite uh, the UFC's surprising unprofessional broadcasting <laughs> wonder. Absolutely. I hate to use that word lightly. Uh, uh, you alluded. That was Go ahead. A very good fight. Oh no, no, no! That was phenomenal. Uh, we already talked about uh, Andre getting the decision though over Baby with diaper. Uh, Cesar Faria, whatever. Uh, Rafael Ascal, of course, continues the streak. Clay Guida and Joe Lazan. We need to talk about that. Had to be a great fight. Had to be. It wasn't a long fight. Perfect. Well, shocker with these two. Somebody asked me, they're like, who do you see fighting and winning this? And I said, you know, obviously I think in many ways Joe can win, but I am wondering, like, these are both people that I'm like, I'm good on seeing them fight. Like, I've seen enough. And they've both been in wars. But part of me wonders, like, how much scar tissue, how much effect of the other wars that Joe Lozon has been in, uh, how much has that taken a toll on him? And um, I think we got our answer. We still love watching him fight, but damn. Uh, I mean, Clay Guida, fun, good matchup, though, UFC. It's sort of like a loser-retires match in, in, in less uh, less specific terms. But Clay I don't an know. Animal. Guida's an animal. Yeah, and Guida seemed to – he did this one interesting thing. That I want to bring up to your attention, which was after his fight, he made a note that said, hey, guys, I'm not done, but this is my last fight on my UFC contract. And people were like, we're confused on what that means. (laughs) And so he decided to go ahead and clarify it. And he said, well, here's the deal. If you want to see me tweet at Dana White, tweet at the UFC and say you want to see Clay Guida fight in the UFC. And then I think he started like a chant. And I'm not sure the audience knew what to do. I can't remember if he said UFC and the audience said Clay or he said Clay and the audience said UFC. But it was definitely a disjointed like imagine me saying, Kevin, cheer with me real quick. I want you to say UFC, UFC, UFC. And you're saying on your side, Guida, Guida, Guida. And it's like, no, no, hold on, guys. Can we coordinate this? 
So the Virginia crowd was, and maybe you can tell me this. Do you Don't think the Virginia crowd? Do they get a little confused? I'm not speaking for anyone in Norfolk. I was in Northern oh. Virginia. Not gonna, not gonna even try. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And, they know what uh, it unless means. You, <laughs> you live in our Virginia regions. If you're one I'm of our sorry. many Virginia listeners, you know what I mean. No one's gonna disagree. Slower crowd, just not as quick. But they are more likely to pack a UFC event. I don't know. Jimmy always had good sure. cards too. Uh, I also just as we go down the card real quick, uh, that was a good fight. So we hope Clay Guida returns. John Dodson and Marlon Moraes. I want to bring this up for a very short reason, which is this. Kevin, what do you hear when you see 30-27 and 27-30? A beatdown. Well, if you have one person who gets a (laughs) 30-27 and then the other person gets a 27-30. I also... I hear the UFC promoting a judge. They're like, finally, someone who gets it. And then somebody else went 30-27 again. So, Jeez. Oh, fire the other one then. Yeah. Out of there. It, was a, it was a dumb fight. I could <laughs> even see splitting it between the two, but whatever, dude. Um, Sage Northcutt wins and uh, does his little spin thing and, you know, whatever. Uh, credits his win to Al- Team Alpha Male. I'm going to put out a theory out here, and I think he might be listening, but I want to see what you think about it. We know he's listening. Okay. Do you think that Keith Kikorian is the jiu-jitsu version of Safe Northcut? Oh, God. Great parallel. A lot of upward trajectory, getting on, getting in those cards, getting their spots. And hey, come on. Cute. I mean, oh. <laughs> come on. Hey. Hey. I'm good, Mr. Sparza. See, I'm just saying there there are few few overlaps. I'm just saying, uh, Nina Arsoff versus Angela Hill, pretty appropriate. Sean Strickland picks up decision, and the rest I didn't see. So that was basically what you got to see. Fight of the night was Dustin Poirier versus Anthony Pettis, as it should be. Performance of the night went to Rafael Ascow and uh, Matt Brown's elbow. <laughs> As it should. Raph, we have to... Okay, before we talk to Eric, and I'm going to intro my post. I put that Jubera Facebook post. Mm. I'm going to intro that before we get to Eric. But Combat Worlds. What? uh, I'm going to tell you what I saw. I'm going to tell you what I saw, and I need you to fill in the rest, because what I saw was Instagram clips, basically. Mm -hmm. But I Mm -hmm. saw Wagner Roca. Finally doing what felt like Wagner Roca was meant to do. Can I let you in on a secret? Sure. Okay. So before I went to start the interview with Wagner, I said, Wagner, before we start, is it Wagner Roca or Roca or Rocha? And he's like, dude, we live in America. It's Wagner Rocha, man. Just Wagner Rocha. And he's smiling. And I couldn't tell if this was his permission to let me say it like this because he had won. But I also saw him slap a whole bunch of people. And I'm like, I'm not pushing my luck. I'm just going to call him whatever the fuck he asks to be called. (laughs) That was fucking brutal. And, okay, it's brutal, too, and it's out of respect. Do you know who's Mm. a massive badass? Nathan Mm. Orchard. You know who would murder me a thousand times over? Nathan Orchard. 
Wagner Roka to take Mount and slap him, and I agree with Rocha. the TKO stoppage. <laughs> I just, I know it's difficult to do. Wagner we all agree with the TKO stoppage, but can I, can I be a little honest here? Sure. Okay. Okay. It definitely changes the game, the slap, right? Yeah. It can be very vicious. We saw that it was stunning people. I'm still not 100% sure what the rules are. I, I missed the rules meeting yesterday. I'm still trying to figure out where it's acceptable and where it's not. Now, I, why is that confusing? Because some of the guys were putting one knee down and then slapping people. So it was kind of like that one knee down rule in MMA. So it was it was very strange. So we're talking like uppercuts were happening while people were kind of standing but not standing. One person did the equivalent of a Superman punch to a grounded opponent with a slap. Like it, it was a lot of hybrid of, all right, well, this is what it looks like as a full event. And I think we're still trying to figure it out as we go. In terms of Wagner and Nathan Orchard, all of us are excited because we get to see a rematch of a match that we've seen at EBI. And we're like, oh, shit, how's it going to go down with slaps? Well, turns out Wagner's game much better with slaps. <laughs> And it well, wasn't like AC was fighter Wagner Rocha. Yeah, but let's also discuss this one thing. Whereas he's slapping Nate Orchard and he gets to mount. Now, if you thought Wagner Rocha's back control was good, let's take a moment to appreciate his mount because it was effective. And that's where I think I've seen between him and Sheridan Moran the really most effective uses of combat jiu-jitsu. Sheridan did this thing where he would ground himself, even if he wasn't passing, he would go to take that center line of uh, being on top, hold his ground, and then just start slapping the shit out of you. And I was like, damn, son, that's great. But Wagner got to this point where he's slapping Nate Orchard, and the ref comes in and says, Nate, you got to protect yourself or else I'm going to have to stop it. And it got to the point where Nate was just getting overwhelmed because Wagner heard that smell, blood, or smelled blood in water? I don't think you could smell that. Anyway, saw blood in the water. Uh, and Raph, I took a 20-minute scuba lesson in Cancun. I think I know all there is to know about water. <laughs> and yes, you can smell blood in the water. <laughs> you can smell blood in the water. Great. I'm glad that we're able to go through the finer details of your Cancun <laughs> visit. But I want to talk about this. When he got to whatever blood is in what water, using whatever sense it is, maybe it was taste, I don't know. But he looks at Wagner... In the eye, and you see that Nate's kind of like, fuck, dude, I'm not in an okay place. He knows he's in danger, but he can't get out because Wagner's so good at keeping them out while slapping. Referee calls it. You immediately feel bad for Nate because you think to yourself, this is the first TKO stoppage, and it's not like Nate's out. But he did get overwhelmed with slaps, so it's not hard to say, like, yeah, I agree with that stoppage, but... I mean, he wasn't out. So that's where people, I think, are still getting a little confused. Because we're not quite MMA. So it doesn't feel good unless the person goes out. But do you really want to see a person go out via slaps? That's been my whole issue. I don't mind seeing people get their bones broken in MMA cages. Somehow I'm okay with that. I don't mind seeing people in grappling uh, just go out and all that other stuff. It's like you feel bad, but you know, you, you're like, oh, okay, that's part of the rules. They're going to be okay. Something about somebody getting slapped is where I go, oh, no. And yet that was the first time we did it. So Wagner made history. He said third time's a charm. I have an interview with him that is going up on the YouTube page. You will hear more about it. Now, I will say this to you guys right now. Wagner, when he's on stage, 
he feels like the heel, right? Yes. He feels like he takes pleasure. The jobber, in... if you will. No, he's not. No, not at all. It's like a not now. Not, now that he won. No, he was never the jobber. I mean, he's pretty good in most formats, dude. But Wagner gives a phenomenal interview with me. And I feel like sometimes you bring him up to people and they're like, ah, I don't like him. And I was like, what is it that you don't like? And they go, ah, I just, I don't know. If you listen to the interview, he gives perfectly wonderful answers. Uh, you know, it could be the fact that maybe he kicked AJ off a stage with the Sparta kick and that, that made him a hero. But then you thought about it and you're like, maybe that's not the nicest thing to do. And you're like, eh, but it's AJ. Thus is the paradox that is Wagner Rocha. But he was wonderfully great in the interview. Uh, he's super complimentary of Nate Orchard. He talks to us about his day, how he was able to do it. And Kev, if I'm being honest, because I did see him backstage immediately after the show was done, I had to wait for an interview because he was in the massage chair because um, I think he slapped his hand into injury. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, that'll happen, right? That's a problem with open-handed slaps. Of course it is, but then you have to go home, and then when people are like, how'd you hurt your hand? Well, I ruined it, slapping it on another human's face. Slapping Nathan Orchard, which is a fucking accomplishment. I was impressed as hell by the last 30 seconds of that fight. Hey, (laughs) listen, we were all like, I've never seen a whole room just go, oh, no, in such a... Away. Anyway, Nate was fine. I saw him. You know, he wrote a good post today that says he's going to regroup, come together. I believe it. He's of a samurai. Of course he is. The guy, I mean, no head, like, hold the head very high. Nate the Orchard is a savage. You, they fought like thinking a week like ago. him, though, dude. If you're thinking like him, truly, like a champion, I'm not, Raph. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Nate Orchard is a dude who. You know, that sort of shit when you're a competitor, it, it bugs you. But nobody wants to be the first person to lose by TKO and slap jitsu. But there it is. And uh, the first. Yeah, he's the I first. Somebody did the first time. I thought there was a call. I oh. guess. No, no, okay. no. So anyway, that was uh, everyone's going to remember. Not. But I want to talk Kevin, to you about this. Already... <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you about a few other people. Let's talk about um, Chad George. Chad George, I got the opportunity to train with about a week and a half ago, Kev, and I got to see him on his last hard day of sparring. There's going to be a full article. What's that? Did he hit you? No. Um, you? you know what was funny? I actually pitched him the idea of him pretending to slap me uh, to promote the article that I, we're doing for Gentle Art Magazine. And I was like, yo, dude, it'd be really funny if like, I was like, hey, I'm here with – hey, don't, don't you do that. Don't try no, – stop that. Don't hit me. Uh, but then I think he took mercy upon my soul or something. I don't know what it was, but he just kind of looked at me like, do you really want to do that? And I thought about it, and I go, maybe I don't. And then we just didn't have time for some strange reason. Anyway, phenomenal story for him. He's the runner-up in the like very first edition. He was the very first match of Combat Jiu-Jitsu with J.M. Holland. We have amazing – amazing content that i think you guys are gonna love so i have an interview with him that's going up for verbal tap pretty excited about that because youtube and then an amazing article that i think you guys are really gonna love to hear to get a true perspective kev 10 days out and then right after he finished winning on an amazing run yesterday sir yeah and jason hayden (laughs) dude the hayden brother dude violent 
He okay. fought one tough dude. Like that was the thing about this <laughs> this tournament. It was like, okay, slapping aside, some cool moments came from this thing. So hard, right. hard not to completely agree in terms of I hate to me a culpa this, and you know how much I'm not ready to be slapped. But I want to tell you this right now. The Haydens are like family on the show. Everybody knows that. You guys um, have heard them both come on our show. They're uh, always doing nice things. They're always reposting our shit. That's how I feel about it. You, you can. I honestly, I no, can promise you well, that. I mean, outside of I'm going to tap so quickly if Jason grabs my heel. Are you kidding? It's gonna be, you say it. that, but he's fast, dude. And like he's deceptively like tiny and yet not tiny like he like makes himself super small to get your heel and you're like oh my god i'm dying uh so there, there is that but here's something that i think you guys should know and i know it's a little bit of privileged information and i i feel it is important to say it because he won't say it jason had a little bit of an injury on the shoulder okay when before oh going into it so when wagner had that arm and this is the first time I've ever seen somebody do this. And I think it may change a little bit of the game. But Wagner was working. It was like last 20 seconds in regulation. And uh, he got the arm. He was looking to try and like – he was transitioning to take like an arm bar, like a triangle arm bar. He's looking more at an arm bar. Uh, Hayden gets that two grip to kind of try and hold on to it for as long as he can. And then Wagner slaps the hand. Slaps it. Most people like strike it to try and like get that like angle to push it off. Nope. Wagner snaps and just kind of like wapa on the hand to just get it a little bit to a different angle. Finishes the arm bar. Jason Hayden just misses on overtime. So it's difficult to say uh, that sort of thing uh, or see that sort of thing happen. But Jason Hayden made a big fan. Yesterday he was paired up with Rafael Domingos, and I was excited when I heard those two were going to be fighting each other because of this very reason. Right. Rafael's a very flashy person. He's very fast. His passing's amazing. And Hayden made quick work of him. That's super impressive. That's talking a former EBI runner-up. So no joke on that side. Um but anyway, I mean, that's the kind of caliber you get. I also want to give props to Ben Eddy, who ended up taking out uh, Wilson Rahis. And I want you guys to know this. Oh, I saw that. He see used the, the choke. He used the – Kikorian talked to us about this. Well, what he did, he didn't use that one. To no, talk no, no. about Kikorian a lot. <laughs> yes. Hey, come on. I didn't know he's going to be on this. Huh? <laughs> what happened was I believe he finished with a dead orchard. Yeah. And – but I what can't he, tell the difference. Are you I kidding? Know, I just <laughs> want to make sure that people know. <laughs> it just looks complicated, right? It is. So here's what it is. Wilson missed weight by seven pounds, was actually in the tournament for the eight-man, I believe, at 135. When he misses that much weight, then they're just like, well, shit, what are we going to do? He's here. I don't know. Ben Eddie, you want to take this match with him on, like, three hours' notice? Cool. Let's do it. So they put him in. When Ben Eddy pulls him into guard, now I love Ben Eddy. Ben Eddy is a homie. The type of slaps he was doing when he was in guard, amazing guard, by the way, made me a little concerned. I was like, oh, that that guard looks really good. I think he's okay. The slaps could be better. Here is my joke on how the slaps looked. The slaps kind of looked like 
he was trying to fix a stapler that seemed broken. So that's kind of what I thought it looked like. Okay. But here's the thing. I didn't even care what the slaps looked like because I said to myself, I think he's got this fucking finish. I think it's like Wilson does not know what to do in this situation and he can't overpower it. So it's a true testament to Benetti's uh, guard and the finish, which, again, I believe was a dead orchard. I saw a lot of grappling in the past 48 hours. So if I'm wrong, I'm very sorry. So, yeah, that, it was a phenomenal. So shout out to Benetti uh, for his, I believe, first combat jiu-jitsu match. He was supposed to have one at Bushido Battleground, uh, but that ended up getting changed. So props they, to him. They are just uh, – I like that. People have really started to get crazy, <laughs> and I, I think we are on the precipice of a very good time in jiu-jitsu, and I'm excited that you're covering those. I really appreciate that you're doing these interviews after, because it's a big deal. Um, I'll say this, though. Uh, you know what does suck? Uh, continuously getting ushered out as I'm doing these interviews. Yeah, that does suck. They need to it be a little really bit better about the press because They do, and... They need to build this into it because, like, every time we do this, they always, like, rush out people. Now, I understand if you're rushing out the main audience, you don't want to seem like anybody's getting special treatment. I don't have any problem with that. But at least I have, like, a designated area where I can do interviews and maybe, just maybe, tell your athletes, hey, go over there and be interviewed. Here's the one saving grace. I think by now the athletes kind of know that they're stuck talking to me. I don't know that they want to all the time. But, like, I looked over at Chad George and I was like, you know what happens now, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, let's go do it, man. And I lucked out because, you know, I went to go train with him. And then when I get to Wagner, Wagner was like, oh, my God, let's do it. And I'm like, as we're looking outside in the, like, I go, are we going to film this in the moonlight? Like, what the shit? Meanwhile, we have all the people working there who are like, you guys got to get out. And I'm looking at him and I go, are you really going to kick out the guy wearing a championship belt? Really? <laughs> Is that what you're going to do right now? Rob this man of his opportunity for something you work so fucking hard? You can wait 10 minutes. So anyway, it's a major thing. If you guys are promoters Plus or... Wagner's fun. He really... I know he's a heel, but he's fun. But he's not even a heel. Maybe he's like an anti-hero. I don't know what it is. People love but, trading with him. Lovato posted a nice photo. I'm just But saying. if you guys like, again, look at the interview. If you do not like him, if you're not a Wagner fan, I think you will enjoy him. If you are a Wagner fan, you can point to that interview and say, I think that's why people end up liking this guy. So there's a little bit for everybody. But what I'm saying to you is this. These motherfuckers... Trying to kick us out. I understand you got places to be. We want to get people out and home, and you don't want to raise the rates. But build in fucking 20 minutes for me. That's what I need. Because when there's a moment when I realize that Wagner may not get talked to at the end of the night, I'm a little considerably pissed that that man works so hard that he's not going to get the opportunity to relish the moment. Like, yeah, they might interview him kind of for UFC, but then it's like the UFC fight pass and then me. And that's about it. Well, I mean, the MMA complex is there too, but they don't count. I'm looking but forward to it. what I'm saying is this. I think you guys will enjoy the interviews. If you are a promoter or you yourself are an athlete, I urge you to build in a little time at the end. It's very important because I believe it is one of the critical steps. Kevin and I like to joke and say, you know, Steph Curry doesn't shoot threes and then just go fucking home. <laughs> He's, He's like, stops. oh, I'm done. He talks to the press. He winks at him. 
He doesn't say anything super profound, but he certainly gets the chance to if he and wants. And he brings his fucking daughter with him. Super cute. Adorable. I wish somebody would do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> but anyway, guys, that is my my little thing. Uh, my one little note to those of you who are promoters and athletes and organizers, build in time for your press because it sucks when you have to chase them down and you might get an interview. And a lot of the times it's based off of your personal relationships with the athletes. And it's not just them at this organization or this event. It happens a lot. So treat your media well. In our experience, even in some of the highest levels, Dana, (laughs) you fucking dummies. So unprofessional. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going to go talk to Eric Coe. Raph, I tried to start something, and this is all on me. I started yeah. it too late. What did you do? I posted in the Jubera Jiu-Jitsu group, like, you know, four months from having trained ever, interviewing Eric Coe tonight, getting any anecdotes or p- submission gripes from recent from the teammates. Now, a few people liked it, just didn't quite get the run I was needing. Uh, and this is on me. I didn't prep anybody and give them adequate time. And the problem with Jubera people is they're all trying to become better murderers during a Monday night. Now, Eric Coe, I'll just give the gripe. He will chuckle while he chokes you. I thought I had an awesome takedown. Wrong. Didn't. Had an anaconda sweep. Then ended up getting me very aggressively cross-choked. And that was fun. And that's just the last one I remember. I genuinely don't remember the next few submissions, though there was definitely an arm bar or three. Very lanky. It is a problem. We're going to talk to him. We're going to talk about fight to win. Raph, I'm excited. Teammate Good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear someone who's consistently beat the shit out of you. I think those are always the funnest interviews. Uh, yeah. He's not worried about me. All right. And... Uh, Global Tech fans, Eric Cook coming up. Verbal Tap fans, don't forget to head over to KOSportsgear.com for all of your Magic the Dragon Gi or Singlet needs. <laughs> Who doesn't have Singlet needs? Enter in Verbal Tap, get a little discount. Guess just help us keep the ship of verbal tap floating in the right direction chaosportsgear.com for your holiday gear needs verbal tap fans uh someone that takes joy in choking people a little too much for my particular liking i actually posted that i wanted some uh inside stories and recent choking gripes from the Jubera crowd I should have included the dark horse crowd uh, on the line fighting this Friday in Denver fight to win pro 55 Eric the Cobra Co coming. excuse me I said don't miss it don't miss it rocks in <laughs> right there Eric how are you doing this evening I'm doing great you are Just, uh, uh, you're coming off two badass wins how do you feel? How do you feel coming into this one? Good. You know, I wasn't able to do the one in August um, for some couldn't get a match kind of reason. Um, so just feeling good. You know, I've, I've had a good beginning of the year and 
just stayed focused during the middle of the year. Got some, you know, some fight to wins in there. But yeah, definitely focused in on this uh, this uh, coming Friday. And do you know Denver's still fairly? I mean, there's a lot of people that do jujitsu out here. Do you know Spacek, who you're fighting? No, funny enough, he's from uh, Chicago. Oh, so. perfect. They're starting. Oh, yeah, I don't know. What- I like the fight to win. I, I didn't know that. Uh, but, Raph, that means that we're a guaranteed lock. Because this podcast owns Chicago. Historically, we have beat the shit out of people that are from the Chicago region in other things. But we have yes, confidence in you. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. What's, the going. what's the goal? So last time, you, you've you had a few weird fights in terms of what I expect from you. and You're you're kind of an unorthodox fighter. You have a Sean Waddle sort of weirdness about how you like to roll. First time you pull guard, you move into an arm bar. Second time... You pull off an Ezekiel choke that we would actually see Jubera uh, try a few weeks later at the Worlds. I assume you taught it to him, obviously. You can let us know. Yeah, there may have been some private lessons. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. That, there's <laughs> Jubera's secret. He's been sure, trading sure. with Eric Coe. That's, you heard it here. It's a hot take. Are you, do you, are you want to Babe Ruth this? Do you want to call your shot on Friday? Um. You know, I'm definitely going to come out aggressive. You know, I'm not going to give away exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, but, of course, you know, I'm trying to trying to go viral. So, yeah. you know, some, some, something entertaining, something you're not going to want to go grab a beer at the end of the uh, match before, for sure. Oh, right. so, Raph, you're internet famous. This is your I am, matter. I am. This is where I can lend a lot of my celebrity to... I think your needs here, sir, but I want to start with this. If you're going to fight an opponent, because I'm doing my research right now as you were talking. All right. I did, I did Facebook stalk him, and unless he has some tall friends, he didn't look very tall. That's all I care about. <laughs> Wait. Keenan does unless that. Unless he has really I tall know, friends. Then... I know, Keenan. So let me get this straight. You don't look at tape. You just kind of go, how tall are you? Yeah, I'm taller than him. I'm good. Okay, that's. I wish I had that luxury. Um, no, if we're looking at going viral, uh, our good friend Mike Kalimbas, uh, he put on his uh, site for his uh, YouTube page. It has a match with you, and it's back in 2014, and it says Eric Coe versus TBD. Now, clearly, I think after three years, we could say it will not be TBD. I think he just gave it, up on it trying. Has not to fight. yet been determined. No, I, I think, think it's going to be determined. I think he, it's going to go into the unsolved mysteries file. <laughs> but I just love the fact that, like, I'm like, yo, Erico is trying to go famous. So, like, honorable opponent, the least you can do is say <clears throat> that was me. So we can continue to get this man some views. You get a good win, yep. you should be able to have those views. So, uh, kudos to you. Yeah, Scott. you know. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, I was just going to say, um, I've had like a lot of submissions in tournaments and, you know, record it, you know, submit the guy in whatever, 14 seconds. And then like, come on, you know, who, who else is out here submitting people in 14 seconds? I don't think too, too often not going to happen. And hopefully if I can go out there and do that on the fight to a pro, it's, you know, going to garner a little bit of attention. I mean, to be fair, dude, I don't even get good grips in 14 seconds most of the times. <laughs> Like, you're lucky if you're going to get just uh, one lapel, let alone uh, any kind of power grip. 
let alone some meta person. So yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Um, now I'm reading this because Kevin's done a terrible job of telling me about you, but <laughs> fortunately I do a great job of doing research. You started back in 2011, correct? That's where the jujitsu journey started for you. Yep. Yep. Okay. So way, this is my favorite phrase because it says, okay, Eric began training the art of Brazilian jujitsu in 2011 at dark horse BJJ and never looked back. Nope. Okay. Why would you like honestly when you say never looked back? It's just it sounds like you moved to a new town, a new country. It's like a Wolverine <laughs> phrase. It's just like he never looked back at his backstory. Uh, I guess I never looked back on having a real job again cuz I knew I didn't want one of those. Why why did you not want a real job? Because okay, let's let's say this. A lot of people in jiu-jitsu they have to do the part-time status. For example, mm-hmm. Jason Hayden, who just crushed it over the weekend with an amazing heel hook over a very game, Rafael Domingos. Two very flashy competitors. I was very excited that they matched up in the first round. Uh, he catches him, and then you start to realize, you're like, shit, dude, Jason does this only part-time. Mm-hmm. Like, what would this kid look like if he was doing this full-time? Like, what is his true potential in this sport? So when you see like people who can do it like that or your Jared Dops who do part time and he's like a scientist half the time, probably saving the world and we don't know. But then we know him for having like a two hour match against Orlando Sanchez. For you, when did you know that you wanted to go full into just jujitsu? Um, well, long story short, I was going to I was going to college and then I was going on grants. Everything was all good. I got bad enough grades and they're like. If you get that bad of grades again, you got to pay back all your grant money. And I was like, well, I like jujitsu a lot more than I like going to school. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go do that, you know, as, as much as I can. And I've been doing the day job thing on and off. And right now I'm working at like a bagel place too. Um, but really for me, what it came down to was like the way that I can incite the most passion in myself and, and therefore help other people, you know, because people recognize passion and, and it helps make them feel better about themselves. And the best way I could do that is by training in jiu-jitsu, uh, competing in jiu-jitsu, you know, teaching jiu-jitsu. So I, I have a lot of respect for all those people that are going to school and doing jiu-jitsu, but, I mean, I, I, I couldn't even do their their intro-level classes, so I'm not going to try to put that much energy into something that, quite frankly, I just wouldn't really be able to do right now. I think, though, and again, as somebody who's failed a few classes in college just because of boredom, uh, there comes a time when you just kind of recognize it's not your thing. And this is what I think is yeah. so fascinating that uh, jiu-jitsu provides an outlet for. People who are good at jiu-jitsu, by and large, are smart people. So it's just when you find something that you're more motivated to do, you find something that you're like, oh, shit, I'm willing to study this. I'm willing to spend the extra hours doing uh, tape review or theory on this. Is that kind of where it started to segment a little bit more for you? Yeah, for sure. Like I was just one of those kids in high school like, I didn't really do anything. I was actually like a super goth kid, if you guys could imagine that. Like I had like trench coat and like lip piercings and contacts and like what? long hair, whole nine yards. Um, oh, we're going to stay on this, so don't go too far off of it. <laughs> but yeah, so I was just kind of doing, doing fuck it all. I was just doing nothing. And then um, literally just like a couple months before I graduated, me and my buddy uh, Kiefer, Kiefer uh, Johnson, um, we had a mutual friend that was training in dark horse. So we're like, yeah, man, let's go, let's go check that. Let's go check it out. So we just go and, and try out a class. And then 
just, you know, that became kind of what we did at, at every single day. We would just go, you know, take out jujitsu, train for a little while, go back to his house. It was just right there in town. It just became just a lot of a bit of a creative outlet for us than, you know, whatever else we would be doing. Did you do sports? Because as goths, I don't know that you're allowed to do sports. No, funny enough, I mean, I was the least athletic kid. I had tonsillitis when I was really young, and I couldn't really run. I had to have, like, my tonsils taken out. I just never down with the sports. Just, like, I mean, I was one of those kids in high school that I was like, man, wrestling looks so gay. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get ringworm. And then, <laughs> now I think back, I'm like, shit, I could have learned something I, I could have used in high school. Now I don't use any of that stuff. <laughs> Uh, let's not go with none because we have a big daddy bagels where you at least learn to cross market. There's got to be some English uh, allusions True. to that because I saw a video that said when you're already on weight uh, with an at big daddy bagels and it immediately made me want a bagel and that's on you because I there don't need a bagel. You need, a, you need to go buy the bagel from them, sir, and then let them know who sent you there. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I'm here because of Eric Coe. Where are the bagels? There you go. That is how. Code word Eric. There we go. <laughs> so I definitely won't. I'm just going to show up and be like, uh, the code word is darkness. That's what he told me. <laughs> I don't know what that means. People are going to know from your past, which let's Obviously. get into. The the goth phase. What, what prompts that in the high school? Is there a band um, that particularly followed? A girl? I mean, feel free to... <laughs> yeah i mean i was always just in like rock music and that kind of thing and then like um funny enough our mutual friend who actually had started training at dark horse before that we had known him from way back in the day he had a metal band and then i don't know if you guys know longmont at all but there's like a dinner theater where they would have these metal concerts and it would be like just these very hardcore metal bands um just a whole bunch of them you know playing in a lineup and then we would just you know go there jam out that was just kind of what we did and I was very antisocial as well. You know, I think definitely jiu-jitsu has enhanced my social skills 20-fold. You know, no, it wouldn't hasn't. really enjoy the company of people. <laughs> as an outside friend, it's, not, it's not, not much, but keep going. Yeah, I just never really didn't particularly want people to talk to me. So, you know, when you dress that way, kind of kind of encourages that behavior. Nice. Well, I was looking for way more of a – I was just a sophomore year. I was trying to – Meet that girl named Kelsey. It happens. Uh, I, I'll take I'll take whatever transcendence, though. I will, I'm ready for you to embrace both, and that's, I guess, when we'll see the black gi. He's normally a white gi wearer in competition, Raph. I don't know if that says anything about him. But there's also a mohawk. You know, I think mixed signals. Every, everybody has the phase when they get their purple belt, and they're like, all right, now I'm only going to wear black gis. And then you're like, eh. <laughs> White's a little cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you you have a moment when you look in the mirror and you're just like, it just pops more with the white key, though. <laughs> it does. Especially the brown. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it does look good. The most dangerous of belts. And I've had the pleasure of rolling with you at least a few times prior to my injury duck out. And, Raph, you'd actually enjoy the Eric Co-Roll. Um you apply pressure, obviously, but I would call you sort of on the nicer side until you're choking is the, the best way I would describe it. Uh, you just all of a sudden you're weightless. It's great. There's a, a lot of freedom in it. Um, the opposite end of the spectrum on the Will Forbes side when we just do the casual rolls where in which I can feel his elbow inside my head at all times, uh, which is a compliment to yeah. you until again the starting of the choking, which I honestly think you should 
bring a banner out with you that just says Ezekiel choke. Um, because if we're talking about going viral, that's I'm I'm throwing out early suggestions. Raph, do you have anything that tops like a sign that does the Babe Ruth business? I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I've definitely not seen that. All right, so Eric, stay with me here. I go viral consistently in jiu-jitsu, which means I get like 5,000 right. views. <sighs> here is what I think you need to do, okay? As a giant pro wrestling fan, you need to play it up, okay? So how good is your defense? Um, probably one of my stronger suits. Oh, I like where this is difficult going. to submit. Okay. Difficult okay. to submit. Extremely Can't difficult. Stay with me here, okay? Extremely. What if? And I mean, again, you're welcome to add or subtract to this, however you like. You're the athlete. I'm just the brain. I just want to put this in your head. What if you let someone get you in a submission? I know it's a little tough here, but what if you Hulk up? There's no better way to get the audience on your side to look like you're in danger and yet beast mode out of something straight into the part where you actually get a triangle. Because, a.k.a., if you're going to go by the triangular, I think you're going to go with the branding. But what if that is what you do, sir? I like the I really like the showmanship, but I would like to spend as little money, a little time, as little time out there as possible. I'm not trying to work too hard. I got a tournament the next day I'm going to do. Uh, see, I, you know, I'd really rather we do it. it we, do like it. The, we put money on that, too. We said he was one of those people like, oh, the next day. The next He's day. a crazy person. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm more thinking, like, go out there and put some pressure on him and either get a take. I mean, I'd really have to fucking get a takedown. I've actually only had three takedowns in competition ever, so I'm looking to add to that uh, tally. But, I mean, whether I take him down or whether I pull guard, it's, it's going to be looking for a submission right after that. Okay, let's scratch that idea then. How about we go inspired by combat jiu-jitsu? You take a knee and get a good slap straight to the face. Like, slap the guy right then and there. Just say, like, what? Yeah, I I, as, long as, I, as long as I kick his foot at the same time, I think that's what's that's good. good <laughs> so. well, that's when you just tell him, you're one like, thing. I was just going for a good collar tie, guys. You know what I mean? It's a club yeah. and dig. It, it would be good. One thing I want to try to do is two of my buddies have a hip-hop group. Actually, my buddy Kiefer, he's part of it. Uh, they need to like you know a live walkout. I think people would love that. You know, now we're oh, talking showmanship. That's where that showmanship comes in. Give there. these two gentlemen some mics. They can sing my walkout. It'd really bring the crowd in in on the action. What if you did a live rendition of G and a G? Early. Mm. Oh, I I I can't top what Alex has done. I can't I can't outdo that. Uh, I feel like so. that's the understatement of eternity. I feel you can top just about anything Holic has done. So difference of opinion, though. Uh, let's return back to this because let's talk about, you know, you've worked with Fight to Win before. You've competed for them. Uh, what is that experience like? Because it is a big show. You get a whole bunch of people. It's very community-based. So it's not just you. It's like all the major tribes, if you would, of jiu-jitsu in Denver. What is that experience like? Yeah, it's definitely very cool. Um, you know, I definitely like what Seth has done in terms of, you know, just adding more career paths for people around here. Because before this, you know, I was not – now I can call myself a professional jiu-jitsu athlete because I've, you know, gotten paid. Um, but, I mean, for me, it's it's really perfect because, one, I mean, you got one match. Like, what's the worst that happens? You know, you're not, not going to get too tired for your next match, you know. You got one match. Um, 
but you know, I'm sure you guys, if you've ever done any kind of competition at all, you, there's so many things running through your head. You're, you're, Oh, did I train hard enough? And oh, did I do my cardio? And oh, did I do all this stuff? And really, especially for a tournament, like for the IBJJF, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, you get a medal, you don't get a medal. You're paying a bunch of money. It doesn't actually change anything. If you win or lose, you get happy, you get first place, whatever. But like, especially if I'm about to go to a fight to win pro man, like there's zero doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that I could really use this $400. So hey. much easier to get motivated for me. <laughs> and I, I, this is where I'm going to sort of say you have a little extra something in terms of competition. And Raph and I have both seen your videos, and I really enjoyed your post after your armbar video sort of did go viral because Flow Grappling featured it, and you were like, haven't watched this 85 times. It was something to that effect. And it's like, yeah. You should. So you do seem to get a little extra ease when you compete, which is uh, terrifying because you are tall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of funny. I have uh, all my matches on my Google Drive, and I was showing all my friends something from something funny from one of them, and then he noticed that I had viewed them all within like the last week. He's like, "How often do you look at this stuff?" I was like, "Oh, it's it's, it's no big deal, you know." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely go back and and watch all sorts of stuff. I'll definitely uh, also go back and even I've watched my losses before. It's amazing. It's just like oh god. So I, our, we have a friend Joey Haas who last time I went to L.A. Raph, we had been rolling, we had been fighting all day, and then we go to L.A. Jiu Jitsu Club for who's a super tough brown belt, and frankly, you two would have uh, a fantastic match when he inevitably visits Denver as well. But Joey Haas just beats the shit out of me in this like six minute roll and rap. Great video coverage of it. Uh, it's even fun to watch that side. So I can only imagine the difference when you're on that biggest stage, which is kind of the fun point. Uh, what are you specifically doing? Give us some camp tr- tricks. You've trained a few times now. You train with a lot of people. We've spoke to Jabera on the podcast. He is, I mean, the guy is a beast anyone that's ever rolled with him is super clear anyone that's ever watched him is super clear and you're someone he he rolls with quite often in terms of what you're getting ready for what's your camp like yeah i mean right now i just kind of uh i did start a day job recently so i haven't been able to train twice a day every day which has been a little bit of a bummer um but yeah for me i like to just get some drilling in in the morning i usually kind of alternate like a randori or a drill session in the morning. Um, I'm definitely big on conditioning too. So I go to the gym, uh, five days a week. We get up early and do that. Um, and then at night, you know, it's usually just around an hour and a half of class, um, get some training and kind of depends on where I'm at. Like right now I'm living in Longmont and then, you know, I've got the, the means I'm, I'm down in bolt, I'm down in Broomfield training. So, uh, it kind of just depends on where I'm at for the night. I have to ask this because, you know, you started in 2011. You've been training a lot now. And I, I get the sense, obviously, just not from the way you describe the professional aspect of it, but the true passion that you had for like wanting to do this and finding uh, a true sense of direction in your life from this. But what does jujitsu mean to you now? Now that you've had the ability to kind of see your own growth in it and you've had competitive success, like what does it mean to you these days? Uh, you know, it's, it's actually really fascinating to see that kind of metamorphosis because it starts off with something that you only get to do so often and you're, you're so excited to go train and you show up at six o'clock for the class and it's like, the, you know, all of a sudden you're mopping up. You don't even 
realize you're staying that late. Um, and now, especially with having done like a, like a kids class, like if you're doing a kids class, it you know, I'm there at three thirty. Eight thirty rolls around. I've been there for five hours. Yeah. It's just um, it, it's just very interesting to see your mindset change when it does become you know it's no longer a hobby. It is now you know your career and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, for me, it's just allowed me to kind of really get your your head in the game where you can really recognize what you enjoy the most about jujitsu. Like for me, it, you know, it would definitely be competing. You know, if I had a choice, I'd definitely be a, a professional competitor more so than a coach right now, um, especially because it is, it's not something you can take lightly. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it with as much of my effort as I can because I know it's a reflection of myself. And for coaching, it's, it's really hard to get perfect. You know, like you have to be such a good coach and don't even get me started on kids. I mean, what, what can I say? Uh, but as far as competing, it's much more individual. You know, I'm able to just see my process, see my results, work through that on my own. Um, not that I don't enjoy coaching. It's just something I see much more of like a, like a small business path, you know, where I'd be opening my own school and, and looking and doing all those things. Whereas I think now, especially with stuff like fight to win, I mean, Copa Podio, all those events out there, it's just much more realistic for somebody to get into, you know, getting a sponsorship, competing professionally, all that kind of stuff. So. And yeah, no, I was just oh, going to say, in terms of that type of passion, it does require, and you, you mentioned you get up five times a week, it does require that commitment. You're also a yoga person, it seems like, from, from what I understand at least. Uh, so you seem to be committing yourself sort of trying making the physical strides that you can also make when you're when you're training that hard. Yeah, 100%. I'm actually working on getting my uh, personal training certification right now. I think it would be great just way to supplement not only my knowledge, but just, you know, my, uh, just marketability in terms of, you know, they see, people see my success, they see success in competition, um, and then they, you know, the conditioning and the strength being there and start to wonder, hey, how do I get that? And then, hey, you know, come do some personal training, make a little money on the side. Um, and the other thing is just very flexible hours. I like going to the gym because it's very, you know, I can show up at, at 5.30, put my headphones in, not really have to talk to anybody. Just you know, get comfortable. Yeah, yep. Uh, I'm okay. early morning person. No, um, we're fine. Sorry, Raph. I just got a little nauseous. We can continue <laughs> yeah, with the podcast. Do you see five thirty a.m.? Okay, the Ezekiel choke starting to make more sense now. But yeah. damn. Yeah, you know, you just you just get uncomfortable, get comfortable uh, being uncomfortable, and yeah, the rest just comes but easy. But can't you do that at like ten? <laughs> Because I yeah, still usually, feel pretty uncomfortable at like 10 a.m. If I'm being honest, yeah. Usually, I'm like, I'll try to leave that time open for like doing a private lesson or meeting somebody for some drilling before the noon or whatever like that. So I kind of like to have a little bit of a lull in the in the mid morning afternoon because then you're not just doing you're not just going back to back to back to trying to do, get everything done at once. To be fair, uh, we have uh, what's referred to as early morning training, which you won't consider early. Um, but a long time ago, I used to do early morning training at like 5 a.m., 5.30. And I'm not a morning person. I hate the morning. And people will sometimes will be like, oh, Raph, you're so nice in the morning. I'm like, it's a giant lie. It's a facade. I hate every one of you in the morning. But I put up with it because I love jujitsu. But now we have a training place where we used to do 7 a.m. Now we do 8 a.m. 
And uh, I love when people come and they complain. It's like 8 a.m. so early. And I'm like, do you see these people? And they're like, what? And I point to my Instagram and I was like, I'll point to you right now. Every single person who's training before us. So you don't get to complain. We're just here. We're putting in our time. And a few of my friends, uh, this place that we have, the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club, they just kind of rise up out of bed and then move to the mats, which are just on the other side of the house. And so I'm like, you guys have no excuse. By the time I'm getting to this house, I've been up for an hour and a half, and I'm super angry, and let's fucking train. And that's usually <laughs> about where I'm at. So I can understand what it's like to to have the little bit of extra, just so you get a little bit of edge, just that little thing that makes it uh, a little more special when you're training. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably the biggest advice I give to people if they're going to start coaching and stuff like that is like, there was a time where like, I would say I'm going to, if I was just working at Dark Horse at the time, I would say I'm going to work. And then you say you're going to work, and that's just a certain, that, you know, there's just so many things you associate with that. Oh, I just got off work, yada, yada, all that BS. And then, you know, just once you start calling it work, it becomes work, you know. Yep. So that's one of the things I tell people is just don't call it work. Yep. And that's the nice part is I do find, though, when I do get up, and I'm a creative person, so I write for a living. And when I do train in the morning, I'm a little less clouded. I know how to write. I'm funnier. I'm less angry at the writing part of it. If I need to be funny, I'm not spending extra time. Like I'm usually pretty, pretty much more together where I can make jokes and my reading or my writing looks like actual words as opposed to if I wake up at five and I try writing, it's just like, did a cat like draw this in their litter box is that what shit you just turned in raf and i'm like i don't know dude i'm tired leave me alone there's a lot to pump out there's a there's a lot going on well eric give us uh so i we gave big daddy bagels a shout out do we need to give anyone else a shout out as we promote your your fight to win coming up november 17th cage tickets just make sure you select eric co that's who you're going to see He's the main event in my mind. I'm just going to say it. There we go. The people's main event. Oh. <laughs> the people's main event is also not a bad sign. <laughs> should be. It should <laughs> be. I mean, if you're going to pick, if, if you're picking people who only do submissions and submission only, then you should pick me. Yeah. Hey, I do. I'm curious about this, too. In addition to Fight to Win, have you uh, thought about trying to, you know, get out? Raf is always frequently a hoster of some tournaments and at times a proprietor of others. Are you also looking to explore? Because you seem like someone that would be down to fight Gi, no Gi. I've seen your steam a lock. You seem pretty ready in terms of those. Are you on that trajectory in terms of is that where you see yourself? Because you're kind of the fun on the younger side. Is that what's next for you competitively, I guess? What are your goals? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not looking to turn down any opportunities. Um I don't actually do a ton of no gi training. I if you know, if something came up, I would definitely look at, you know, having like a six week time frame to prepare for that at least because I don't spend a ton of time training with heel hooks and that type of thing. Um but yeah, I mean I definitely love the idea of going and if somebody would like my services with an entertaining jiu jitsu match, like I look at uh like John Combs, you know, he went and won Pan Ams. All of a sudden, he's going to, like, Guatemala to compete. I'm like, hey, I'm down to go to Guatemala. <laughs> Let's so, talk about John Combs for a second here. Just John such a Combs, no good human. Just in just general. Just a terrible, just a real subpar gentleman. Garbage. You know, Kev, I want to say this, and Eric, you can tell me what you think uh, his reaction would have been. 
one day John Combs, he hears that I've got this like giant head, which is bait for somebody who loves the guillotine, correct? I, I'd say so, especially okay. if you have a small neck. Well, no, I, my my neck has had to support this giant head, so it's been fairly large for a while as well. Right. But uh, it's a large head, and so Combs is looking at it like a kid with candy, kind of salivating, waiting for us to roll. And there was a moment where I said to him, I was like, and just joking, I said, oh yeah, John Combs, great guillotine. Okay, armbar. <laughs> and then he just kind of like, he didn't really have any problems with that. The next day he comes to train with us, and I was like, John Combs, okay, guillotine. And I kid you not, he bum-rushed me and was trying to murder me. Like, there was no rounds going on anymore, but there was a makeshift round that happened the minute I said that to him. And I was like, uh-oh, I think this is where I die, everybody. It sounds like he didn't want it hurts. Well, you know, the nice part is if you say something like, I mean, I guess Josh Hinger has a better guillotine than you. Then oh, I guess you that's not nice. Don't be I, mean. Listen. <laughs> friend of the I podcast, John Combs. That is also friend of the podcast, Josh Hinger. I'm just saying we're <laughs> all friends with all the people who are good at guillotines. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely going to beat the shit out of you, by the way. Raf's coming to Denver this weekend, and we're training with John, oh. potentially. Uh, well, he, I'm all right, not. all right. He is. Well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't hear about, it, I'll make sure he has to hear about it. I mean, I can't betray him like that. Perfect. It's not a betrayal. He knows. <laughs> like this isn't a thing. Like he didn't beat me up that day, and like he did. Like you guys are acting like I should get retroactively beaten up for something he's already beat me up for. No, I think I'm just it, letting I think you know. Is good. Facts are facts, and I'm sure. I told Kevin, I was like. Are you sure you want to come see me roll with like Drew Dober or John Combs? Because they're just going to assassinate me. Yeah. And Kevin's like, I can watch jujitsu. <laughs> Looks fun. Yeah, we're gonna... no, it sounds like, sounds like a good time. We're yeah, going to swing terrible. by Jabaris. We got plenty of time. Uh, Eric, you're fighting with a ton of our friends. You're you're fighting with Mr. Waddle. I know Tessa is fighting. Any other Jubera mm-hmm. crew or Dark Horse crew on the main event? Uh, Char- Charles is fighting. Charles, um, Professor X. He's gonna okay. be fighting the black belts. Um, it's actually kind of interesting how they how they changed up the order where there's some title fights after the black belts, which kind of makes sense, you know, to, instead of having them more on the preliminary card. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to Charles as well. So tons to cheer for. The fights are gonna be amazing. Uh, we know we're gonna see a highlight from Eric the Cobra Co as the tournament concludes, and uh, we look forward to competition footage from the next day we appreciate you swinging by the podcast this evening sir yeah yeah great time glad you had me well verbal tap fans jujitsu badass rising star eric the cobra co all right guys the one and only be on the watch out Raph, I want to just, I've made it back from island time with no Michael Scott-like breakdowns or emails to the entire company. Listserv, I'm back. We talked to Eric Coe. You were a crazy person. You also managed some time to coach and have some success. How you feeling? Uh, I mean, good. I mean, when you say coach, I mean, 
just a lot of breathe, breathe, do that thing. Are you know the other thing? Be honest with both of us. There was one girl, and I won't uh, go on record as to say who or where, but there was one girl. (laughs) One person was particularly in danger, just kept yelling out, spiral spiral okay it was like a warm-up's not gonna save you in this you could yell that to me 400 times there's nothing that's happening what does that mean what is spiral but nothing made me laugh more than spiral you could genuinely if i'm just imagining jibera like sees my injury riddled ass all out and he's and i like trying to do something he's like spiral it's like what I, we would stop the fight and be like time out is that something i'm supposed to know so anyway uh yeah no um the nice part about this, we went to two tournaments this weekend. The LA Jiu-Jitsu Club went to go visit Brian Peterson's Fall Brawl uh, tournament. And uh, Joey and Eric took gold. Our buddy Frosta took silver. But only to Joey because he's an asshole. And Joey didn't actually drop any weight. They just combined. <laughs> and as a result, uh, the finals match ended up Not being Frosta cool. versus Joey. Not so for Frosta... Cool. Hit a 160 mark only to go up against Joey, who's fat. I won't say his weight, but he's just at fat. (laughs) When the scale actually comes up, it makes the letters F-A-T, which I look at and I say, wow, I didn't know it could do that. But that's where Joey's at right now. So there's that. So then uh, we did that. The next day, the day of combat worlds, uh, we went to Noah Tillis's tournament and that was the socal jiu-jitsu championships really great no-gi competition that day and frosto ended up getting gold there had some really tough matches just great persistence i want to say a few things about all three of them but i'll start over with joey joey had a great day um kept focused very solid jiu-jitsu eric i don't know how this happened but it did so eric wins his division right and then somebody came up to him, who, like one of our buddies was just like, yo, dude, you want to have like an exhibition match? And Eric didn't even think about it. He's just like, oh, sure. And so Eric has an exhibition match and then realizes he was like, oh, I guess I'm doing an exhibition match. Uh, ends up winning that one as well. But my only issue was it was just something that they decided to just do. There was no real sanction to it. It was just kind of like, OK, cool. Well, that was an exhibition match. And I thought to myself, they should have given him another medal. <laughs> like. If it's like the off-kilter one, you better believe if I win an exhibition match, I'm like, excuse me, I would like my second medal, please. <laughs> because I know the rule would be I would have to give up my medal if I lost it. You better give me something. I mean, I'm not exactly. going to donate my time. Like, you can let's... give me cake. You can give me uh, accomplishments in the forms of a voucher. Like, it's fine. As long as it's a good amount or a percent off for some sort of voucher or a two-for-one deal. That's fine. So they did great there, and and P- Brian Peterson, great hybrid between wrestler and and grappler for jiu-jitsu. Like, it's cool to see it. He did this thing though, where his overtime rules was just arm bars for EBI modified rules, no back control. Makes things very fascinating to watch, Kev. It's, I actually saw that and love it. What an interesting adjustment to the problem. Because the interesting thing is, we kind of are more of the mindset of, how about the back and not the arm? Because sometimes, 
I feel like the arm is just like a split second away from being like donezo. Sure. If you set it up the right way, that overtime is going to be for for you and I. I agree, but for the professionals, I'm in. I kind of like it. I think uh, sure. Like most things, I want to hear what Gary Tonin has to say. Oh, Gary doesn't care. You know, his party trick is just basically like, hey, who wants to see me get out of this arm bar? But that's my point. His instincts are usually correct in terms of exciting grappling, I think, in this particular instinct. And I know you hate him. I agree. He's just a terrible But like his insight. (laughs) So there's all of that. So we've we've got that one side. Um, Then, uh, again, Noah Tilsis is actually a point tournament. So it's a point tournament and... Uh, Frosto ended up uh, winning all of his matches by submission, which is always fun in a point tournament. So overall, good day for the guys. And I was especially proud of Frosto because, man, he's just got the right mentality. Like, it's really fun to explain, Kevin. You knew this when you would compete in speech. You know when those people have the right mentality where you just go like, oh, shit, that guy's going to win. Yeah. that guy, Like, he's just going to win. It's just okay. a matter of how long it takes before we just hand them the medal, but like they've got it or she's got it or whoever it is. Um, that's where Frost is at right now. And I, I have a, a big, big appreciation for what he is doing. So uh, yeah, great tournaments. Uh, credit to both Brian Peterson, and Noah Tillis. It's a lot, a lot of fun out this way. Pretty badass. Well, Raph, that's going to do it for us tonight here at the verbal tap. I want to thank the people of the excellence Riviera Resort. I want to thank Megan, Steve. I want to thank Heather for introducing me to the scuba, if even for a brief pool swim because our trip got canceled out to the place where there was bull shark mating season. Not, but no, I was like pregnant bull sharks migrating through. I was so in. I was so ready. It's like, what a way to go. That sounds fun. <laughs> and then it got canceled due to some wind gusts picking up and taking away our ability to do that. But it was amazing. Our friend Shivali, who was the orchestrator of us going, Victoria's 30th. It was unbelievable. Fun group to go with. Uh, had a blast. Spent way too much time naked the last night. I'm just going to announce that. And did a little bit too much drinking of the hootka. Everybody needs to be careful with the vodka. It's a dangerous mm. world out there. We're all just doing our best. And, uh, Raph, I'm excited that you're headed this direction. I know. Out with some Jubera crew and some other people, but you and I are going to do some live five year. Yes, we're, we have a lot of stuff planned. So we are, we're excited for that. Um, I get to Denver in a couple days. So by the time you guys probably hear this, I'm already there. So welcome from the future. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Uh, I haven't seen Kevin for a while. Has it been a year? I don't think so. But sure. there's a picture. I mean, I have to check. I was under anesthesia. It's hard for me to like keep yeah. track of time. <laughs> Space and time. Oh, you haven't been here for – yeah, sure. I'm yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll be doing that. It's going to be tons of fun. We're going to have you guys uh, doing all those small little things. You're going to hashtag five years of uh, verbal tap uh, to help commemorate that. But, uh, yeah, my shout-outs are pretty simple. I want to go and shout-out the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. LA Jiu-Jitsu. Monday through Friday, training 8 a.m. You guys want to go and join us. It's lots and lots and lots of great training. We have lots of stuff coming on for Nogi Worlds, which is in about a month's time, Kev. So that's a lot of fun. We're also getting Joey ready for his fight to win 
which is coming out to LA in a few weeks. So that's good there. Um, just a lot of little tournaments just to end the year on. Just to give you guys a few, the Valley Martial Arts Center is having a white and blue belt tournament. That is December 10th. John Jock has a tournament for all affiliates. That is on the 9th of December. Fight to Win is on December, I think, 1st. There's a Dream Jiu-Jitsu on December 9th. Uh, and then Nogi Worlds is like December 15, uh, 16th and 17th. And those are just the ones off the top of my head. I think there's a Russ Miura one on December 10th as well. Lots of tournaments. If I can make it a plead for you guys to do the ones that I am mentioning right now, it would be Value Martial Arts Center. Right. 40 bucks, I believe. Big Low cost. Rock. Great tournament. Really fun. And that is December 10th uh, over in North Hollywood for white and blue belts in Dodge Gi. And then if you guys are so inclined, I would also include going to Dream Jiu-Jitsu. It's their adult tournament. They've been doing kids stuff for so long, but that's on December 9th. They Always put on amazing shows and tournaments, so I highly recommend it. And uh, let's see. Uh, LA Jiu-Jitsu Club, Valley Martial Arts Shove, LA Martial Arts Center. Shout out to them. They're doing 6 a.m. training now, which is amazing, so I'll have to stop by that very, very soon. Uh, I don't know how long that's lasting, but they are doing that. And then I also wanted to make sure you guys know this. Uh, Thank you to everybody who helped out over the weekend. I'm talking from start to finish for the competitions, all the people who put on the stuff behind the scenes at Combat, at Peterson's, at Tillis, everybody who made it so nice and easy, just to name a few names, uh, Blanca, Megan, uh, just all of the people who work behind the scenes at all of those tournaments. Most of the people were working the same tournaments day in and day out. Um, but thank you guys for making it so easy. And to Noah and to Brian, you guys ran phenomenal tournaments. They were a lot of fun, and we got to interact with a lot of our friends. And it's always good matches to see. So to everybody who we got to see, all of our 10th planet friends and family who were coming to compete, uh, our friends over at Gracie, everywhere. I mean, I saw Gracie's at, essentially at every tournament we went to. Uh, we want to say thank you guys so much. It was a fun, fun weekend. That. Is going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. At this time.